Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. The number one Robbie in the Big 12 is here with us today. Robbie Tirano joins us in the Big 12 Watch. I'm your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. Find us wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Robbie, we are talking about Big 12 basketball. I feel like it's it's a great time to have you on uh, because I felt like that like Big 12 basketball season really arrived on Wednesday with uh, Farmageddon <laughs> round ball version. And uh, it was it was funny. I thought about that game the other night, couple couple good ways. Number one, a positive way because it's just it was just a war. It was such a war physically, um, and neither coach was relenting. You know, both teams obviously a great environment. Hilton Coliseum what is, I, I think, you could argue toughest place to win in the Big Twelve. Like they they do not lose at home. Um, they they have not this year, I believe, and. There is that piece of it. And then there, I, I thought about something Jay Billis told us a lot whenever he was on Big 12 Today when we worked at Sirius about how referee, how Big 12 games are refereed. And they were almost refereed too loosely, which for the fans made it great, great for us because we could watch these guys just beat the shit out of each other for 40 minutes. It was like, this is awesome. Um, but in the tournament, sometimes it didn't always pay off because like you'd be a bit more physical and you get more whistles, obviously, because the crews are different referees. This was not one of those, or this one was almost so physical. They're like, well, we, we just, we have to call, start calling stuff now. And so, I, cause I thought the, the second half was not good. Uh, it was not a, it was a fun game total, but like the second half had uh, 28 personal fouls and 40 free throws attempted. So the big 12 wars are back, baby. I mean, the, the big 12 fist fights are, are all the way back. Yeah, definitely. And this game, I feel like, was kind of the the kickstart. If you haven't been paying attention to college basketball, this was one of them. Or besides the the Rodney Terry horns down situation, amazing. Uh, that was just hilarious. And like Rodney Terry, like, what are you doing? And then the next day, you like get an upset win, and then you're like celebrating on the court, just like kind of funny. Um, but yeah, that w- that game was really. It was really tough to watch. I think at a lot of points because of the refereeing in that game, and like. That's not the excuse to why Kansas State lost because I think uh, Kansas State just missed so many shots this entire game. At the late part of the game, they just missed so many free throws. Kansas State kind of mm-hmm. like had that game in their grasp and they watched that. And that's what this league has been known for is a very physical, tough league. And I feel like this game, it was like a slog to watch with that refereeing. And what is so interesting is that this game is like seen as to, to us it's like the kickstart to Big 12 basketball. If you're not paying attention, this is the game. And I don't even know where these teams rank in the Big 12. Like, that's yeah. the thing about the league this year is that top to bottom, besides like Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State's just really bad, and we can talk about that later. Uh, but this league is just like really difficult and really tough. And what has been different this year compared to the to other years is I think that the margin isn't so wide. I think that it was Kansas and then like everybody else or like Kansas, Baylor really close and everybody else. And I feel like everybody is very, very close right now, even when it comes to the conference standings. Like I think Houston's the best team 
mm-hmm. everybody else is really, really close. And I think that's what's made this league so kind of like like so interesting this year. Um, even though I don't think one team necessarily sticks out the most. So yeah, that's why I want to take this because right now Texas Tech, I believe, is in pole position. They're four and one. But honestly, when you're projecting out like how things look, you have to look at the schedule and you have to say, okay, uh, like does a team play back-to-back road games? Because you could almost basically pencil in two losses sometimes. And that's the thing about it. In in college basketball, you know, there are teams that play really well at home and they play really well at home when a, when a great opponent comes, right? You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like Virginia Tech beats Duke all the time whenever, whenever Duke comes to Virginia Tech. <laughs> Stuff like that happens like all the time, right? Uh, like this weekend, Arkansas, Arkansas has been awful, but they, they might beat Kentucky. They beat Duke earlier this year. They might, they might have a great game. They might beat it. Probably not, but they might beat Kentucky. All of these teams are good enough. And then like their, their home environments are insane. These like Hilton Coliseum is, is the ultimate home court. You know, it's just such an unbelievable home court advantage. You know, it's supermarkets arena, unbelievable home court advantage. Obviously we had, um, uh, um, Octagon of doom. Awesome home court advantage. UCF, I mean, the Kansas game, like that place was on fire for the KU game, right? And, you know, like you're getting these unbelievable home environments. And so that's why, you know, Texas, Moody Center, they needed to have that game last week against Baylor. And obviously Baylor's Baylor's new arena too is, is, is super cool. So I think that's the one thing about it is like you pair up really good coaches with good enough talent in these unbelievable environments. And that's when you start getting... Like I didn't think K State played terribly. They did not play well enough in the end to win. But like that effort might get you by in like an ACC game, like at Miami or something. It does not get you by on the road against Iowa State. Um, and look, like I think you'll end up seeing this, and this happened in this game. Home teams tend to shoot more free throws. K State shot twenty three. Iowa State shot thirty nine. It just kind of usually ends up like that. Like I think we all know it's kind of how it rolls. That's and and you'll get more calls at home. They'll get more calls when they're at home. But um. Yeah, I I think that's like the 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 middle of the pack, not middle of the pack. Like the entire thing is like a pack. Like I think I mean honestly, besides Oklahoma State, anybody actually can be anybody. West Virginia shot fifty seven percent from three against Kansas. You just like you might as well be like, all right, thanks. Like hey, well, uh, yeah, that was fun. Thank you. Like you're not going to win that game. So that's that is what's fun about this because I, I think mostly it's kind of about figuring out like, all right, who can make a tournament run? Because I don't think anybody's going to rip off more than four wins in a row. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And one thing I've been thinking about is like the big 12 gets this narrative about them. And a lot of it has been earned for many years, like toughest conference, no matter what, every night's a gauntlet. Uh, we don't take some night off. Like the whole, the yeah. big 12. <laughs> I forgot about that. Made. I forgot about yeah, that. Like everything about that. And this year, like I agree, top to bottom, besides Oklahoma State, which is so I'm so sorry, Mike Boynton. Your team sucks. You're probably gonna get fired. He's gonna get uh, fired. Which stinks. But you look at like the conference top to bottom, and is it because this league is super good, or is it because this league is just super close right now? And that's where I don't know, you know, if that narrative is true this year, because I look at the team. Like the team we always thought, if you go to Kempom right now and you can say what you want about stats, like Kansas has not been the Kansas that we have known and love. They're currently 18th when it comes to Kempom and have lost some really strange puzzling games, even though I think they have one of the best players in the entire country in Hunter Dickinson. And you have Kevin McCuller, who's on his 80th year of college basketball, but it's right. still like been a bucket. But that and team Juan Harris has twice. been around forever. 
Yeah, correct. And but that team depth wise is just an absolute disaster. Like once you get to the bench, like it's really, really bad. And like I don't even think Bill Self is happy with this team this year. And then you see a team like we had no idea this team was going to come up. But BYU has been, I think, one of the surprises of the Big 12 this year, even though conference play hasn't gone their way right now. They are the number two team ranked in Ken Palm behind Houston at number one. BYU is number ninth in the entire country when it comes to that in Iowa State. So is it because this league is so difficult or is it because there's not a lot of separation with everybody else? And that's where I'm trying to figure out, like, is that narrative true this year? But I've been seeing Fran Fraschilla, who is like the world's biggest Big 12 fan, the so Godfather. I wouldn't see him say anything else. Yes, the Godfather. Like he's been the one saying, oh, the coaches are saying this is the hardest year. It's like, is that true? Is this really I, the hardest I year? I think it might be, though. I, I really think it is because I can't remember a year where there are this many good players, like like good teams and players in the league. I mean, Raekwon Battle is awesome. And he and and that team is, you know, like they're what, two and four in the league, I think, but they still have got, you know, they're still they beat Texas and they beat Kansas. Right. I mean, like, you know, that's not a place where it's going to be easy to win. And look, they, they lost a lot of good teams in non-conference trying to figure things out, but, and they don't have a lot of depth either, but like all of these teams have, have these guys, like, you know, the other night, Robbie, a uh, uh, big Monday, Kansas had a really difficult time shaking off Cincinnati. I, I think Cincinnati's a, a, not a bad team. Like Dan Skelly's really good. Day Day Thomas really good. You know, uh, that Lakin kid's pretty good. Like they've had all like these, they're not just big 12. Good. These, these teams are good, good. And, um, I, I will say though, I, I think I know Kansas has another gear. I think, I think Houston might have another, an, an extra gear, which, which would be scary if they do. Houston is mauling teams. I think it's where we start with. They are, it's not surprising. And I think it's, this is the one thing we talked about. I, we talked about the three new teams coming UCF, Cincinnati and, and uh, BYU, right? And I, I think you're going to see that grind slowly start to wear on them a little bit. It was it was kind of the other way around for Houston. It's like I'm not sure Big 12 teams are ready for for the Houston Cougars because it's just it's so physical, and they've got they, the thing is they're physical and they've got excellent excellent guard play, right? They even lo they lost Jermon Mark. They picked up L.J. Cryer, and then they have obviously Jamal Shedd, who is a, who is a um, who is a, a holdover. But like they can score, they can shoot. And the big thing for them obviously is they can defend and they've always been really physical. That is why, you know, I'll never forget when, we, when I watched them play Syracuse, the tournament a couple years ago, the zone just didn't do anything to them because they're just, look, there's no box out assignments in zone. And so if a team just crashes the glass, like, like Houston does, it's going to be one way traffic. It, it, and it was, and they crashed the glass hard and they defend really hard. Uh, they're allowing, 51.9 points per game. Uh, just, I mean, that is like astronomical. I mean, astronomical. To add and, to and, that, when it comes to ahead. their defense, uh, number one in Kempom, uh, adjusted defense by about six points. Uh, so, <laughs> I like, mean, just a, it's a massive margin. That is like, a massive margin. Like the 20 other teams are like within one point, and Houston is a six point advantage defensively compared to everybody else. And I understand, like, if you may be thinking, oh, shut up, nerd, but it's like if you're if it's that good, like that's incredible. You're yeah. one in the big 12 as well. And fit so if they 55 to West Virginia, they lost in a game at Iowa State where they gave up 57 points. They lost to TCU 68-67, and, and, you know, I, I think that was the backdoor cut. Yeah, yeah, it was. 
and they just fell asleep in the last possession, which was actually odd to see. They held Texas Tech to 54, UCF to 42, and then BYU scored 68 in their own building. So this, to me, because of the defensive gear, is why Houston's the best team right now. I, I think I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I'm, like, honestly so happy for Houston and Kelvin Sampson to, like, come into the Big 12, and everyone had their doubts. I don't know that much about Houston. I think people thought Houston could walk in and be that tough guy and, like, you know, prove themselves in the league. But, like, man, to do it this early, like, oh, my God. And that makes you think, like, the pecking order of the Big 12 moving forward. Like, I honestly still think Kansas is the best program. But, like, yeah. now you have Houston. I think Houston kind of, like, jumps over Baylor at the current moment of, like, who is the best program in the Big 12 right now. So I think it has to be uh, currently Kansas. You have Houston. You have Baylor. And then everybody else is right there knocking on that door. And then as soon as Arizona comes in, like, that's another conversation as well. And if, hell, if Brett Yormark wants to take an advantage and, like, make sure Big 12 basketball is that good moving forward, my God, like, this is going to be the premier basketball league if it's it not is. already outside yeah. of the NBA, like, in America. Like, it is the most it important basketball league. Oh, I look at some of the big Monday contests that we get, you know, because it's usually ACC Big 12 pair. I look at the kind of the contests that we're getting and the, the Big 12. Get, and I, I like a lot of these ACC games. I actually think they're really good games. Like you, you look ahead this week, it's Houston at Texas, which I know we're going to lose Texas, but like still just replace that with like Houston at Texas Tech, right? Absolutely, you know, absolutely going to be uh, a banger, uh, if, you know, if, if you were to do it like that. You, know, you look ahead to like the next week, I think it's another, you know, it's like Baylor and KU or something like that or whatever it is. These games are are just the ridiculous. They're absolutely ridiculous. And you add Arizona and it's going to be great too. I, I want to talk about Kansas. You know, it's kind of a something similar we had last year, Robbie. They need Dewan Harris to shoot more. He's got to pull the trigger. I, we've, heard, we've heard it's like people on the court just yelling at him, shoot, shoot, like, like his own teammates. He's a good shooter. He's a really good shooter. He needs to shoot more. And I love his, he's got that really good scoop shot off the glass that I love a lot. Uh, Dickinson's basically just like, he's like Andrew Bogut. I mean, he sets these really good screens. And a lot of times I feel like they're illegal. Um, and it's and like, flops. you can't call him. Yeah. And then flops. Um, and so it's like, got to use that, man. You got to use that. And, uh, you know, cause here's the thing, like I, God love Kevin McCuller, but he is a good, he is good for a couple of those five of 17s. Like the one that he had the other night against Cincinnati. They're going to need more out of Dewan Harris. Uh, I think because they don't have depth. You're right. Like I, I you know, they don't even have like a, a yes, type guy on this team, which they could desperately use just somebody off the bench. We'll say the Furphy kid, he looks like the real deal. I mean, that kid looks like he is, he is the real deal. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think for them, they've got, it's, it's so funny too, Robbie with, with, with uh, McCuller, they've had the same thing happen now back to back to back years. Oshai got a lot better. Jalen Wilson got a lot better. Kevin McCuller got a lot better. And I, I think that's where you kind of look at Bill Self and be like the player development, right? Because KU will get some guys like Grady Dick, but their best teams are always centered around like their best players or player are usually older guys, right? And that's how you win. You need to have older guys. Um, and, you know, Grady Dick is, you know, a great number two, but like Jalen Wilson was the guy last year. Um, no, definitely. And uh, it's, you make it's, a great point. It's weird, it's weird to think Kevin McCuller as the guy, as a guard, which kind of scares me. It just it scares me a little bit. Because I love yeah. Kevin, but like, you know. I, I think if you're a player who wants to go to the NBA but don't have the talent to leave after your freshman and sophomore year, like, can you just go, like, just go to Kansas? 
because like how many times what you talked about, like Bill Self has made players who stick around and usually NBA teams are like, oh, we don't want a player that's 22, 23, you know, coming to our team when we're drafting him. But they always go to the first round because you have Ochai, who was just an incredible talent before, you know, he was like, but he developed into what he could be. Jalen Wilson developed into this amazing point forward. And Kevin McCuller had the ability to be a distributor and had the ability to be a shooter, but he's taken a leap to be a, a, a score that we didn't think he could have. And you hit the nail on the head with Dewan Harris Jr. And I was at that game in Chicago this year when they played Kentucky. And that was one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen. And I can't believe I saw it in person. But the reason they won that game is because Dewan Harris Jr. was like, you know what? I need to step up. I need to shoot instead of just being the guy making the passes, making like he has to be aggressive. And I think he is such a good basketball player that needs that confidence. Like he is such a good distributor. But when it comes to the scoring, like he puts way too much on the load on everybody else. And like I 100% agree. And I remember last year when I was doing the college basketball podcast, Midwest Madness, I called Kansas dead. And the reason I did is because I thought Dwan Harris Jr. was playing so terrible. And like, how can you have a main point guard getting zero points on a given night and turning the ball over? But once he started to make that leap, like, you know, I need to be more aggressive, their entire season changed. And they won the Big 12, and you knew that team was going to be it. And Kansas kind of needs that because you have Kevin McCall, you have Hunter Dickinson. I love watching KJ Adams play. Everybody yeah, else, like, like they're good players, but are they enough to win you a national championship? Is right. that the depth that you need to make it through a tournament? Yeah. No. You so don't you want a Parker Brown playing significant minutes. I know he's old, but like, you don't, you know, and look, the, once again, the perfect kid's a freshman in the end. I think, you know, big double double the other night, which was cool to see, but like, these teams rely on the the elderly, right? They 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 do. And and Robbie, the, the, the Kentucky elderly, games, are, the elderly, right? But like the Kentucky game is a great example. It's like <laughs> Antonio Reeves uh, took double the shots that 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 Dewan Harris took. He was like seven for twenty five in that game. But when you go up a team and say, "Hey, man, like that that's the tournament. You are gonna need guards who shoot and guards who score. Like you need that." And he's gonna have to be that guy. I also I want to say this too. Kevin McCuller is hilarious because you know as soon as he hits one shot, he's just he's gonna start talking. Like you know, <laughs> you know it's coming. And if it's the first one, it's it's over. Like he's just not gonna stop. I mean, I love his game. I love his game. He's an excellent defender. You know, I think he believes his offensive game is a bit better than it actually is, which might be a benefit to him. Um, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, let's look at the, this slate of 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 this, and this is a reason why the Big Twelve is so fantastic. I think it's another. This is one of those slates where you look at it and you're like, my God. I mean, and and all these games, a lot of them are happening pretty early on. At 11 a.m., you get K State at Houston. Now, I think you're going to get a pissed off K State. So, like, I think you're going to get K State's best shot. Does it matter? I don't necessarily know. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, that's going to be a really good environment. I mean, Houston, the Fatina Center. It's been a, that's one of those I left out too. It's been a great environment. Side note as well, um, based on the handshake line of Kansas State, Iowa State, I still want to see like what happens with that because the the allegations was that Kansas State and Jerome Tang said that Iowa State was filming their huddle. I don't know how valid that is or if it's true or if like it actually I thought stuff was being thrown at them. There was a whole lot of things going on, and then you had the guy who was doing the 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 weeping eyes, the just a hilarious, memeable end to the game. Uh, it was so funny, and <laughs> the guy at the scoring table eating the Twizzler. 
incredible yes. end to the game. But uh, I'm keeping my eye on that. But I think Houston's going to roll roll with this. But very interesting end to that game. I will say Iowa State plays K-State the last Farmageddon basketball round two, last game of the year. And I think I think what we would like is that game. And I would love for them to have to play again in the Big 12 tournament. So it's like oh. just red hot round because it's going to be a lot. It'll be a lot of K-State fans there. There'd be a lot of Iowa State fans there in Kansas city. And it would be, I mean, they would need to bring in the national guard to separate the fan bases. <laughs> I think at that point. Um, so that, yeah, that Houston K state game is obviously super interesting because K state, you know, you're looking to avoid another loss there, but still off to a great start. Then you have got a rematch of what was a super interesting game last year. I, when Iowa State hosted KU 1230 CBS, you know, I think it's another game where Iowa State's going to be favored. And the one thing I like about Iowa State, Robbie, is and the kids are freshmen, and I don't love it when you're freshman, your best scorers, but Momsilovich, or however the hell we're pronouncing it, uh, that kid is is a he's a player. He is he is a skilled, you know, um athlete, like pretty athletic, I think. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna do deceptively athletic, but like knows how to use his body to create space and get away from people. And um his best game he played offensively was against K-State the other night so far in the Big 12 season. And and that's and you, once again, it's just gonna be it's gonna be an awesome atmosphere. Like it's just gonna be an awesome atmosphere. And look, we might be in a situation where KU's trading wins and losses. Uh and it might not even be because they play poorly. It's just because Iowa State's just got that much of a home court advantage. No, definitely. Um and I, I made this joke. I was on a live stream watching the game, uh, the Iowa State, Kansas State game, and that player that you're talking about. He looks like a statue in like an Italian museum. Like if he were just to stand up, he's just a hilarious looking human being. And the thing about watching Iowa State, I don't like watching them play, but they are always successful because they have really good defense. They're really well coached. They don't necessarily have the scores or the star power to like be like, wow, look at their offense. But they they beat you in a in a in a knife fight. And uh, I I this is going to be a really interesting game. And I, I had this conversation with someone uh, about Kansas. Like, in terms of this Kansas team and the talent that we've seen since you and I have been, like, kind of covering, is this the worst Kansas team that we've seen? But what's crazy is that I think they have some of the best players in all of college basketball right now. Is it the worst Kansas team? Because the worst Kansas team that I've seen was when they had Diedrich Lawson and they, like, who that played was center for them last year? Trying to think. Um, that was KJ. KJ Adams played for them last year. Um, I think and, last uh, year's. Ernest I think Luda. last year's team. I think last year's team was. Yeah, that's kind of true. And uh, I mean, like, I, mean, Diff, I like. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's it. But like, they had no interior presence, right? Because KJ Adams plays bigger than he is. But like, that team was effectively. It was a pretty small team, effectively. I, I think that was. Yeah, I mean. But the thing is, like, it's so they're so well coached. That you know, like you know, they're going to figure out some kind of way. That's a really, I that's a very good league, question, man. Every, every top to bottom, such so. And well this coached. Texas Tech game, this Texas Tech game is a, is a big and look yeah, at the surpri- Grant prices on ESPN Plus. That that I should was, be a really good game. And and I I was not surprised at all when Grant McCaslin was a good coach. Like th- it took him, it honestly took him too long to get the opportunity to to be a to be a coach after what we saw him do at North Texas. But this is a huge game because OU got they got smoked pretty good last week against. Uh, uh, against Texas or earlier in the week against Texas, right? And so you're looking for them. Okay, they get the Iowa State win at home, right? But like, you look at this this early. You look at this kind of resume. Providence is a good win. 
Iowa State's a good win. At Cincinnati's a good win. But it, it's not a it's not a team that's got a ton of good wins. They they are a well-rounded unit, Robbie, I would say. And I would say Texas Tech is a pretty well-rounded unit. This is a really good matchup. And this is a really good matchup. This is one of those where, like last week, Baylor, better team than Texas, who kind of needs it more. And I'm not saying Oklahoma needs it in any meaningful way, but you don't want to dip below 500 in conference play and just got smoked at home. You're, like You can't lose back-to-back home games, right? It's one of those where you say, hey, I don't care if you just say home teams lost last game, playing a really good team coming in. Uh, you know, will they lose back-to-back home games if it's a pretty decent team? The answer usually is no. Yeah, and I, I'm, like, really happy for Texas Tech because I love their fans. They are a very rowdy group of fans. But also, this program has shown that they can survive without a Chris Beard. So they had Chris yeah. Beard, the highest success that they've ever had, gone to the national championship game. He leaves. Then you have Mark Adams, who... Got you success, but then was like a scumbag, got removed. You have Grant McCaslin. He comes in. They're immediately good. And that shows that that is a program that can win over time. And, like, who would have thought that Texas Tech would be among the best in the Big 12? And you could say that on a, on a consistent basis and not like a flash in the pan. And watching Pop Isaacs, he's one of my favorite players to yeah, watch man. in the whole league because yeah, he, has, he does not care. He will just throw it up, and he is confident, and I love it. This is just a really fun team, and that's – I, I'm happy that Texas Tech's name is going to be in consideration with the rest of the Big 12 moving forward. And for Oklahoma, good for Porter Mosier. Like, everyone thought you mm-hmm. were going to be gone. You got some real athletic people on your team, and you're actually a confident team. I thought that team was going to go into the SEC and, like, kind of be in the middle of a, of a conference that I right. don't even think is that great in college basketball. They're proving that they can go in and hang with the rest of the SEC this is going to be a fun matchup. I have Texas Tech, but shout out Porter Mosier. You actually built a competent basketball team in Oklahoma. And you got Joe Toussaint coming over from West Virginia who's playing some of his best basketball at Texas Tech. And look, McCaslin's a guy who, you know, he's one of those coaches that empowers his players, right? Uh, just, I mean, like, I mean, on the court as, you know, like Scott Drew, I think is a great example of this, right? Nobody gives his players more free reign to do whatever. Uh, I'm not even sure Scott Drew talked during the NCAA tournament when Baylor made their run to the championship, right? I mean, that thing, that was like, that was just run of itself. That, and t- you know, so uh, it's it's cool to see coaches like that. And Robbie, this is all before, uh, these first four games are awesome. K-State Houston, number seven Kansas at number 23 Iowa State, number 20 Texas Tech at number 11 Oklahoma, Texas at number 21 B- uh, BYU, we have not even made it, you know, we're not even past lunch. You know, you're still eating your lunch and you're enjoying all of these games. And BYU gets a big opportunity at home. They're still top 25, Robbie, but you, you need wins like this because you're two and four in the league right now. So, um, and, and once again, we're in late January. And so this is when the, ta- this is when tired legs, you know, one, one, something, one loss can turn into another. So it's, it's a big game, I think, for BYU in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And BYU has not gone great in conference play, but I think I've had a really good time watching that as a bandwagon BYU fan. I love the way their offense operates. I think Mark Pope's a really good coach. I love that they have big men that know how to pass the basketball. That's awesome. And when you go to the other side, Texas, oh my God, like I'm not saying like the wheels are falling off. I still think that's an NCAA tournament team, but like if they went back and they could change the Rodney Terry hire, I think they would at this point. Like it you was think so? It, I don't think they would. 
I think the success that they had was so great that you couldn't do that. But if you look at this team this year, I think they are um they are I in my opinion, I think they're one of the most talented teams in the Big Twelve this year, and they have they just are. not they just they have are. not shown that. And that's where it's like, yeah. could you get a better coach in that situation? Because in, in my opinion, I think Texas is one of the best jobs in all of college basketball. You have an an administration that has a clear emphasis and wants to compete. You have an amazing stadium. You're in Texas. Like you can be the best in the SEC. I think that's an amazing job. And for them to be just kind of in the middle of the Big 12 this year, I understand the conference is good, but they have some incredible talent. Like Dylan DeSue is one of my favorite players yeah. to watch. And a big Max Aismas and Tyrese Hunter in the backcourt. Yes. And Dylan DeSue is like in a league where there are no true bigs. Like he should be feasting. And I understand he's had injuries and I get that. But like this is a team top to bottom that has depth. And it's kind of confusing that they're not at that point. Um, and also just like the whole horns down thing. It's like, what are we doing? What, yeah, what ridiculous. But I, I love this game and I'm going to take BYU. Yeah. Um, West Virginia, Oklahoma state. We already touched that. I'm not going to make, be, be it. Poor Mike sad. Boynton. I know. Such a great I mean, guy. We like, it was such an awesome dude. It sucks, but he's, they don't he's pay you to be a, they don't pay you to be a great guy. Damn it. Uh, all right. Three o'clock ESPN two. love this game too. TCU and Baylor. Um, you know, I have a, I have a weird relationship with TCU because I feel like, they're a really good. They need they need to make sure this year they get out of like the eight nine range. They cannot be stuck playing one seeds in the second game. Like they need to. They really do. And here's the thing, Bobby. I mean, Emmanuel Miller's been around so long, but he's a, he's a star now. He is a star. Uh, he is a star basketball player. Emmanuel Miller is. He's shooting over fifty percent from the floor this year. You know, he's, and Avery Anderson obviously comes over. And the thing about this team is they're old. Like I was looking the other day. I mean, they have got Xavier Cork, who is old. They have got Micah Peavy, who is, uh, you know, just you know, really, really old player. You know, uh, uh, Manuel Miller, as I mentioned, really old player. Uh, they have Jameer Nelson Jr., who's a really old player. Avery Anderson's a really old player. So I would like to see a bit more game-to-game consistency. This one obviously is going to be tough, uh, but I think it's going to be a great game too, seeing TCU and Baylor and, you know, not top 25, but like TCU is a top 25 caliber team. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly kind of in, like intrigued that why TCU isn't as successful because I think one, the formula to me to be really good in college basketball is to have players that have been there for a while, players that have gotten old, and you have proven scoring. And I think TCU kind of has that in this team. And for them to not be ranked or not be among the elite in the cop, like, in the Big 12, like, that's a little interesting to me. And Baylor, this was a team that I thought was just going to be bad this year because how can a team survive that much roster turnover over and over and over again? You look at it, Adam Flagler's gone, LJ Cryer's gone, two years ago, Jeremy Sohan's gone, Kendall Brown is gone. You had Flo Thamba, who I think is one of the worst basketball players I've seen in the Big 12. He is gone, though, and every, like, the roster has just been turned over so much, and they continue to be successful. I don't know if they're at that upper echelon, but also Scott Drew is proving in a college basketball where you have to be old to have success. He is getting these five-star talents coming in and making yeah. them really, really good. Keontae George was awesome last year. And what he has this year, like shout out Scott Drew, just an incredible head coach. And like, yeah. shot, I, I did not think Baylor would be at this level. I thought that this would be the year they took a step back and they are still in the, in the mix of everything. Yeah, he's got a humming. He's got a humming for sure right now. And Cincinnati UCF is a, it's a fun game too. All right, Robbie. Appreciate you stopping by. We'll definitely talk to you next month as we, as we keep heating up. This is a good little check-in because we can kind of put put you know bullet points and everything and then kind of you know check back in a couple of weeks and see where we're at. So I appreciate you and uh, plug anything that you'd like to plug. 
Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel now called Hi, I'm Robbie. I talk college football, talk some Big 12. I have a video coming out on Monday where I am drafting, drafting the football programs from 1 to 16 on what I think who will have the most success in the new Big 12. Uh, spoiler alert, no spoilers. You have to go watch that. Um, and then besides that, follow me on Twitter at the Triano Kid. Uh, and also I do producing in Chicago. I'm loving it very much. And also my Lions play on Sunday. So hopefully this goes really, really well. And I hope I'm playing for a Super Bowl. Come on. Come on, Lions. Come Please. on, Lions. All right, Robbie. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Take care, dude. Appreciate it.